I'm going to blame the Fremont guys. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. How you guys doing this morning? Good? All right. All right. All right. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. Ben was one of my students for a long time. Look how grown up he is. It's not a sixth grader anymore. Um, hey, throughout this month, throughout the month of February, we have been going through, um, actually, we've been having kind of a family meeting, okay? Sometimes you just got to have those. You got to, you know, get the church family together and uh, kind of hash it out. And so I want you to picture this as we're all sitting at the kitchen table. We're hashing some stuff out. We're talking about some things that we need to do, some things we need to get done, some opportunities that God has given us and some doors that it sure seems like he has opened that I feel like we as a church family need to walk through together. And uh, if you're new here this morning, that's totally cool. We're, we're glad that you're here. We hope that someday you want to be a part of our church family. We want you to be a part of our church family here at Grace. But uh, for you, you don't, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to be involved in any way. Um, but we have a seat open for you at the table, and you are more than welcome to sit in and just listen, okay? We want you um, maybe someday to be a part of our family. And the thing that you got to know is that here at Grace... We are a movement of broken people, all right? We're messed up, okay? Every single one of us, we're messed up. Who, broken people who are dedicating our lives to doing whatever we possibly can to reaching as many people as we possibly can for Jesus, all right? That's our goal. That's, that's what we're here. That's what we're all about, really, just a big dysfunctional family coming together, trying to save as many people around us as we can. And, uh, and, and we're all about life change. And we've seen a whole bunch of that here at Grace, specifically even here at uh, Tiffin Campus uh, since we opened, since we've opened. And uh, here's an example of uh, two good friends of mine. My name's Corey Young. This is my beautiful wife, Abigail Young, and my daughter, Nyla. Um, we started attending Grace in January of 2020, um, so right after Grace had opened. So I had grew up in Tiffin my whole entire life. I met Abigail in high school, so we're high school sweethearts. I went to church every Sunday with my grandpa. I did give my life to Christ um, my senior year in high school. Um, shortly after that, my grandpa had passed away and at that point is where I kind of started distancing myself from the church again. Shortly after I graduated, uh, we moved to Dayton, Ohio, um, and we spent the last 10 years in Dayton. Um, we decided to come back to Tiffin, and we moved back in December of 2019. We wanted to find a church to call home, and that's what we did. We found Grace, and we just absolutely love it here. It felt familiar, but Grace has a totally different atmosphere to it. It's not your traditional church. I remember our first day coming in, seeing the greeters out the door, and everybody congregating in the lobby. It was awesome, just a cool feeling, and being able to see kids run around and play, it just wasn't something that I was used to. So it felt like a family environment right when we walked in the door. We knew that this was the place that we needed to be and the place that the girls needed to 
to grow up in. One Sunday, I can vividly remember that Pastor Zach said, if anyone hasn't accepted Christ in their life, this would be a good time to do so. And I gave my life over to Christ at that specific time. I knew at that exact moment that is that was my calling. He put that message out there and that statement to the audience for a reason. And I don't, I feel like it was specifically directed towards me. Just seeing her kind of develop, um, you know, her relationship with God over the last couple, like year, I would say, has been a great um, thing for me as well. Even though I've been a Christian for a long time, again, stepping away for a little bit and coming back, but now coming back with Abigail is really special as well. It's almost like I'm starting on the ground level with her again and kind of we're learning together. And studying the Bible, again, when you're in high school is one thing. But when you have a life now and kids and everything, professional career and everything going on, you can take different things from the Bible at any point of your life. So it's almost like relearning everything again, which is fantastic. So again, I'm glad that we're able to do it together as a family. Everybody's journey is a little bit different. And I guess even for that person that maybe faded away for a little bit, it's, it, there's never a bad time to come back. It's a... And so, again, those are just a couple other examples of just the kind of thing that we've been seeing here at Tiffin over the last 28 months. And, um, again, what God has done here, I think we're kind of used to it, but uh, it's not something that's done uh, very often in very many uh, places. He's, there's just a whole bunch of stuff that God has done, and, uh, and it did not take God long to fill our building. Okay, it didn't take him long. We're, we're full. Um, not only in here are we full, uh, but mostly it's our kids' area. Our kids, are just, they're jam-packed in there, um, which is a good thing, all right? You know, um, we want to be a church that's filled with a bunch of kids. But uh, my biggest fear is that we as a church, that uh, we look around, and a lot of us, we were part of the launch team, the first 200, and we, you know, worked our butts off to make this thing happen, and we sacrificed, and we gave, and we did all this stuff. And uh, God has truly blessed it. Like, God has used our work 100% for sure. I mean, look around. You, that, this is what God has done. Um, but, uh, but my biggest fear is that we as a church, that we would look at the success that we have seen from our hard work that God has done, and uh, that we would take a step back, right? Take a little rest. This is what churches do. Right, this, this is what happens. They take a rest. They get comfortable. They start feeling good about themselves. They pat themselves on the back and say, hey, look what we did. All right, and they stop. It, 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 it's done. We're not done. Okay, we have a lot more that we have to do. Instead of taking a step back, taking our foot off the gas pedal, instead of doing that, we need to run harder and uh, we need to prepare and we need to sacrifice. That's what it takes. And we need to work for the future. And so we came up with this plan uh, with three different goals that we're doing with the other three campuses. Uh, the first one we need to do is create children's spaces. This is our biggest need here at our Tiffin campus. Uh, Northwood and Fremont campus, they're doing their own things uh, with, uh, with children's space. And so we need to do this. By the way, this is investing in the next generation. And when churches don't invest in the next generation, what happens? They die, okay? There's plenty of examples all around us of churches that are dead or dying. It might take you 50 years, okay, but they die. Um, and so super important for us. Uh, we want to train leaders, specifically 20 leaders in the next three years among all three campuses. Again, this is investing in the next generation. Um, super important for us as a church. And then the third thing is we want to help launch a new campus. We're looking at two, uh, two different areas at the moment right now, Bowling Green. Uh, we're looking maybe north, maybe Oak Harbor. 
Denver, Port Clinton area. Uh, because of where those are situated, Fremont will probably be taking the lead on those. But someday, Tiffin Campus is going to be our turn, and we're going to need to take a lead on launching a new campus. And we're looking at areas maybe like Bucyrus, okay? That's kind of what I got my sights on right now. We'll see what happens. That's, that's not within the next three years. That's many years down the road. So in order to accomplish these things, okay, this is a lot of stuff. Like I look at this and I'm like, yeah, there's no way that we could do all of this in the next three years. But I also thought that about Tiffin Campus and somehow God did it. Um, this is going to take sacrifice. It's going to take time. It's going to take money. It's going to take a bunch of work. And it's really going to take everyone to be a part of what's going on, to, to, to be a part of it. Um, it's interesting. One time Paul in the New Testament, he's kind of got the same situation going on. He's actually writing a letter to this uh, church in this huge city called Corinth, who's part of the Roman Empire. And um, they, he's asking, really what he's doing is he's collecting money to help another church in Jerusalem. So he's writing Corinth. He's saying, hey, I want you guys to grab some money, and we're going to send that money to help this church in Jerusalem and so that they could get some things done and take care of some stuff. And he's asking them to be generous, and he's asking this church in Corinth for everybody to, to be a part of it, okay? He's saying, I don't care, you know, big part, little part, doesn't matter. Everybody needs to be a part of this. And as he's explaining this, he's telling the Corinth church money to the Jerusalem church. He brings up a third group of churches in this province called Macedonia. Now, we've talked about this recently in November. Um, one of the leading cities in Macedonia was Thessalonica. Now, I know all of you guys remember everything I talked about with that city, right? Um, no. But... Uh, but this is one of the leading cities, one of the leading churches there. And what was happening to these people in Macedonia is when they became Christians, the government was coming in. They were clamping on them hard. I mean, they were, a lot of these people had lost everything. And so these people were known for being just really, 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 really poor. They didn't have any money. They had lost, most of them had lost everything. And Paul points to them, and it sounds like... Um, that, these, that Paul didn't want to ask them for money because it's awkward, because, you know, he's like, they don't really have anything. They're just trying to survive. But Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 8. So he's talking to the Corinth church, but he's talking about the Macedonian church. And he says, you know what they did? He says, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry. He's like, man, these guys, they, they came up to me. We're, we're there in Macedonia. And they're like, hey, no, no, we want to be a part of what's God doing, what God is doing too. Like, why aren't you asking us? We want to be a part of this, too. We don't have much, but here, take what we do have and use it. Don't worry about us. We'll survive. We'll, we'll figure it all out. And Paul, when he's writing the corn church, he's like, can you believe that? Like, these people are poor. Like, these people don't have anything to their name. And he's like, this is crazy. These people are putting God first, and he's super impressed. And he's like, he's like check out what these people did. They have, no, they have nothing and look at their level of generosity, and he points to them. He says, hey, by the way, that's real Christianity right there. That's putting God's needs before our needs. That's putting God first. And then he explains the motivation of why we give and why we sacrifice and why we, why we want to be a part of what God is doing around us. And this is really what applies to us today. And the context here is, is giving. He says, here's the point. The person who uh, plants sparingly will also harvest sparingly. And the person who plants generously will also harvest generously. So here's Paul. He's saying, hey, here's the deal. You, you know, you've heard of the saying, you reap what you sow, right? We've heard that before. Okay, like six of us have heard that. The rest of us. All right. Um, it's an older thing, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Um, but uh, here's the deal. Now, some pastors, they read this, all right, what Paul's saying, and 
we got to put everything in the context so we understand kind of Paul's meaning behind it. But some pastors use this and they're like, hey, here's the deal. You guys need to give, you know, and, and God looking at this, he's going to pay you back and he's going to make you rich and he's going to turn your $100 into $1,000 and he's going to do this and that and all this stuff. But that's not necessarily what Paul's saying here. Paul's saying, hey, here's the deal. God will give you back. But it may not always be in the form of money. I don't think he's promising that it's an investment of, of, of money. Although, let me also say this, kind of the other side of it, is that I can honestly say for me personally that the more I give, the more that God has seemed to bless me financially. Okay? That's just in my own personal life. I don't know if that's for everybody or whatever. But that's just that's the truth for me. Um, money is a tool to use to accomplish our goals. Right? Money's not the goal. It's the tool to use to accomplish our goals. And too many times for us, it's like we get so short-sighted that money becomes the goal. Right? It's, it's kind of weird how money is just one of those things that seems to trip us up, specifically in our relationship with God, until we see it the way that God has taught us to see it. It's like we got to line money up the way that God has designed money to be. Now, this is what the world teaches us about money. This is what we grow up learning about. Uh, the money says, the world tells us, first you need to live on your money, then you need to save your money, that's probably good, and then at the end you could give, you know, whatever you have left over, okay? By the way, this is a us-first mentality, okay, which is what the world is. Selfish is all about, this is all about what the world tells us. Um, but God comes on the scene, and Jesus comes on the scene, he's like, no, 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 no. Here's what I say, flip it. First you give, right? We talked about this last week and what God says about that. And then we see all throughout the Bible how important saving is. Okay, read Proverbs, okay? It's all about, hey, you need to be wise with your money. You need to, be, you need to save. And then you need to live on the leftovers. It's the exact opposite. This is a God-first mentality. And this is evidence that Jesus is first in your life. Okay, when we go this way... This is evidence that Jesus is first in your life. And so Paul, this is what Paul's going to try to get the Corinthian church to understand. He's like, hey, look at the Macedonians. There's your example. All right, I couldn't believe what they did. Look, look how generous they are, and these people have nothing. And in verse 7, back to 2 Corinthians, he says, here's the deal. Each person should do. Now, what is he talking about? He's talking about giving, okay? He says, each person should give, all right, how? As he has decided in his heart. So here's the deal. Paul, he's kind of boiling it down here. He's like, here, it's a heart issue. Like, God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. It's a heart issue. It's not your bank account. It has nothing to do with what kind of job you have. It doesn't have anything to do if you have a lot or if you have a little. All right, and this is where we get messed up because our world and our culture, you know, with that and how we're taught, we view giving through the lens of a consumer. Okay, so, so the way we think is, hey, okay, if I, if I give, what am I going to get? If I give, what am I going to receive? It's almost like we're, we're buying something, which, by the way, is the opposite of what giving actually, actually is. I mean, and it's not just our culture here right now. I mean, we see this all the way back at the beginning. Remember the story of Cain and Abel? Right? So, some people are like, oh, yeah. Some people are like, who? Who? You know, what are you talking about? Um, Cain and Abel. So their brothers, it's actually Adam and Eve's uh, kids, and uh, they, uh, they, they bring their kind of off, an offering, they call it, all right? They bring some of what they have uh, to God and give it to God. And uh, remember what Abel does? Abel brings the first and the best of what he's got. And God looks at it, he's like, I like that. Hey, thank you. He's 
pleased, the Bible tells us. And then Cain, uh, he brings to God some of his leftovers, all right? Key thing here, though, Cain, Cain gives, does he not? I mean, we look at Cain and we're like, dude, Cain's like the worst person ever. He kills his brother. You know, all, a bunch of stuff kind of um, snowballs after this. But Cain, he brings his leftovers. He brings, you know, it's the, it's the mentality of, ah, it's good enough. See, Cain was all about living than saving than giving. All right, whatever he had left over, that's what he gave to God. And, uh, and he felt pretty good about that. Hey, it's good enough. But Abel, on the other hand, he was all about giving first. He gave the first and the best, then saved and lived. Right? That's what Cain and Abel did. And so what's God do? God rejects Cain's offering. He rejects what Cain brings. He's like, I don't, I don't want your leftovers. I want you to trust me and I want you to have faith in me. I want you to, have, I want you to bring me the first and the best. See, a lot of us, when it comes to our time, and how we serve, right, and, and how we give, and just all this stuff, we're supposed to be a part of what the church is doing. We give a lot like Cain. Like we give, but our heart's not in the right place. All right, we don't, give, we don't give God our first and our best. We give God some of our leftovers, some of the stuff that we have, you know, that's uh, it's the good enough kind of mentality. Jesus does the same thing at one time in the, in the New Testament as he's uh, doing his thing, uh, him and his disciples one day, they're at the, uh, they're at the temple in Jerusalem. They're kind of hanging out, and they're watching stuff. And um, the Bible tells us that, that the, all these rich guys are, like, pouring in their money into, you know, whatever they had uh, at the temple. And so uh, they're pouring their money, and all the disciples are probably ooh and ah, and like, man, that's a lot of money. These guys are in their 20s, so they've never seen anything like this before. They're like, man, look at all these rich people just giving their money to God. That is so awesome. And then uh, Jesus, the Bible tells us that a poor widow, she comes up, and she drops in, like, Two pennies. And they're sitting across the room, and they're sitting down, and Jesus is like, hey, he calls over his disciples. He's like, hey, did you see that? And they're like, yeah, all that money, that's crazy. You know, what are, what are they going to do with all that or whatever? And I think Jesus smiled, and she says, no, 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 did you see the lady? Maybe they missed her, right? He says, she gave more. And they're like, what? What are you, you got to get your eyes checked. What are you talking about, Jesus? You know, what's, what do you mean she gave more? I, I heard the clinking in the jar. That was like two. And he's like, no, she gave more because she gave everything she had. And those rich guys, they just gave their leftovers. See, it's the heart. It's not about what the amount is. It's the heart. It's the heart behind why we give. And the heart behind why we give, it matters to God. God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. And what we do with our money reflects our heart. So, he says, he says, each person should give as he has decided in his heart. It's a heart issue. Not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. He says, and God is able to make every grace overflow to you. He's like, here's the deal. When we give, um, God, he gives his grace. It really like overflows to us more than what we can handle. So that in every way, always having everything you need. Notice, by the way, he doesn't say everything you want. Right? He's saying God's going to take care of everything you need. Yeah, you might not get everything that you want, but God's going to take care of everything that you need, and you may excel in every good work. See, the motivation of Christian generosity is not God's up there in the sky going, you are commanded to give. It's not it. 
Right? It's not, God doesn't, you know, it's not to please God in a begrudging manner. Like, oh, I better do this so God will be happy with me. You know, it's not, you know, it's not why we're generous. Our motivation matters to God. The why matters. And it's so, it's not so that maybe God will make me rich someday or God will give me everything that I want or so that people will see me and they will be impressed with the amount of money that I give and my spirituality. And so, or maybe so God will finally be happy, happy with me. The foundation of generosity for Christians is Jesus on the cross. Happened 2,000 years ago. It's that we did not earn heaven in any way. And God was unbelievably gracious and generous by giving himself. And voluntarily, he died on that cross for us, by the way, while we were at our worst. See, that's the gospel. That's the good news. It's, it's we couldn't, so he did. It's not, hey, let me appease God so he will be happy with me. By the way, that's religion. We get that, right? Religion um, is all about a bunch of rules of do's or don'ts, and you got to do all this stuff in order to make God happy. And maybe someday God will look down on you, and he'll say, okay, I'll let you into heaven. All right, that sounds pretty good. Okay, you did enough good. That's not what Christianity, it's not what true Christianity is. It's, hey, he saved me, though I am nothing, and I want to give back, specifically in a way that will help others find Jesus too, that will help accomplish our purpose. That's where we're, our, that's where we're at in our situation with here at, at our church, all right? That's why we need to build space, because God has filled this building up, and we are out of space. Maybe not as much here in the auditorium, um, which some Sundays is super packed, but, uh, but specifically in Grace Kids. Did you know last week, all right, as we were um, sitting in here, last week we had the most kids and Grace Kids we've ever had, all right? It was 119 kids. I mean, it was packed, all right? There's, I mean, that's a, yeah, it's a good thing. Um, but it also means we've got to get to work, okay? So it's got that part too. But uh, here's our plan for our children's space. Um, let me kind of go through this with you. But um, we want to build two buildings at the same time, uh, which will end up saving money. And so I showed you this a couple weeks ago. This is kind of our master plan rough sketch. The blue part is the building that we are in now. And um, actually, you could go back to that real quick. And you can see we got a Grace Kids building out front towards, this is 224, and then a Grace Kids building, um, which will actually be like right behind that wall. And then someday we'll have to build an auditorium, and someday we'll have to build um, some adult space. We also need those spaces too, but you can only do this one at a time. So uh, um, we want to, the first thing we want to build is uh, a building off the front. I'll explain that first. And that is classrooms, all right? We need more classrooms. Right now, our classrooms are like offices. They were offices at one time, and we've kind of converted them into classrooms. So they're small, and uh, we don't have many of them. Um, and so the first thing we want to do, or among the first things we could go, is we want to build a, a new addition, which will be here on the front. This is 224 over here. The, uh, and that will be around seven good-sized classrooms. And this will help us in several different ways. Number one, it will give us a hallway um, that uh, is an eight-and-a-half-foot hallway that parents, it'll just be a lot easier for parents. So they'll have some space when a kid doesn't want to go into the, into the room. You know, some kids, you got to kind of coax them in, all right, especially if they're new and it clogs everything up. You know what I'm talking about? Some of your parents are like, oh, that was me. That's been my kids before, so don't feel bad. Um, but uh, and my kids come here every week, so I don't know what's wrong with them. But anyway, <laughs> so uh, this gives us space so that, you know, it's not... Uh, 
people going, families going in, moms and, with their kids going in, and moms with their kids coming out in between services, and volunteers rushing to their spots and all that stuff. Right now, everybody goes through like a 36-inch door. This gives us an 8.5-foot hallway that just makes it a lot easier. So it'll make it a lot easier for our parents. The second thing it'll do is make, it'll be a whole lot better for our kids because the rooms will be bigger, and we'll also be able to split the, the grades up. So kids will be in their, um, can kind of be like in their grades or with their age group. And, uh, and so they'll be able to do a little activity at the table or whatever, whatever they do over there. And, uh, and then they, they could go transition. They could sit on the floor and do something else within the same room. And it'll just be easier. They won't be packed in a room like sardines. Okay? The third thing is that this will be way better for our volunteers, which, by the way, we're in desperate need of volunteers within our children's area. And... Um, this makes it easier for them. Right now, we have grades that are, you know, all in there together. By the way, one of our um, most important jobs as a church family, okay, is to teach our kids about Jesus. Okay, it, it, it just is. We see this all throughout the Bible. The older generations teach the younger generations. Okay, when people stop doing that, it causes a lot of problems, okay. And so... Um, that's what we are called to do as a church, and that's what we want to do as a church. And so this will make it easier for our volunteers. They can um, have a lesson that's specifically designed for this specific age group that they're teaching, instead of having several age groups in where they're kind of hit and miss one or the other. And so uh, it'll be a lot easier for our volunteers in that area as well. So that's our, that's our kind of our goal is, hey, we get some more classrooms. This will help our volunteers, it'll help our parents, and it'll help our kids um, all to, to get to know Jesus um, more and, and better. But we don't just want to build space that will be used one day a week and then sit empty for the rest of the week. And so our goal is we also want to build a large space, which will be off the front of the building all, as well. They won't act, both buildings won't actually be touching because of the way everything's laid out. It'll actually be kind of behind this back wall facing 224. And uh, this will also incorporate like a big indoor playground. Uh, one thing that we're doing is we're always looking and always watching what other churches are doing that are effective and that are reaching people within their community. And so uh, this is one tool that we've seen other churches do effectively, and, it's, and it seems to be more and more and more churches are doing this, but not, I haven't seen really any around here. And that is an indoor playground type uh, structure where uh, they can have it open for the community to come in and, and use and play with and all this, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that's our plan to do this. Uh, this is something I've toured a bunch of churches in, here in Ohio and Virginia and Indiana, South Carolina, Illinois, Texas, uh, even the state up north. I have um, seen churches up there that have these. And uh, they use these for a lot of different things. Number one, we could use this for childcare when we do uh, Bible studies throughout the week. Uh, we, they could just go in and, and play. It take, it'll take less uh, volunteers watching them and stuff like that. Uh, we'll also be able to open this up after church on Sunday mornings. All right, one thing that we're always trying to get people to do is stick around and talk to each other, right? That's what the church is supposed to do. We're supposed to be doing life together. And so this gives us an opportunity and parents an opportunity to, to do that. And so while the kids go and they play, you know, and hang out and build their own little relationships in the, in the playground, um, the parents will be there and they'll be able to hang out with each other and talk to each other uh, during that after service. Uh, we'll also, our plan is to open this up during the week uh, for a certain set of hours, whatever that might be, maybe from like 3 to 8 um, in the afternoon, evening type thing. And uh, this will be open to the public, okay, and it'll be free. And so we want to offer a place for kids in our community and around us, right, we're always thinking outreach as well as inreach, 
that uh, we want them to be able to come and have a safe, clean place that's open all year round, not just in the summer, and, um, and they'll be able to come and burn off some energy and, you know, and, and just have fun. It'll be impressive and it'll be cool and it'll be a really unique thing here for uh, the Tiffin area. And so uh, not only that, but moms in our church will be bringing their kids and moms in our community will be bringing their kids and they're going to naturally mix, which is what we're all about, okay? Uh, the other thing we do, we copied this from another church, a sister church of ours, is they have a little room in the back that's, uh, that they use for like birthday parties and stuff. So people in their community can book it. You don't have to go to church here. Uh, people in their community can book it and say, hey, I want to do like a little birthday party for my kids or whatever. And, uh, and they do that while using the playground as well. They got their own little room. They could kind of separate and do their cake and just stuff like that. Um, where it's not, you know, they don't got a bunch of strangers in there, which is weird. And so, um, but they would do this, and our goal is to offer this for free. And kind of my thinking behind this is, hey, think about this. This would be a, somebody from our community that doesn't go to church here, wants to have their birthday party here at our church because of the playground and stuff like that. And then what are they going to do? They're going to invite a bunch of other people from our community that also don't go to church here, and they're going to be inviting, you know, those people to church, is that kind of weird to think about? And I don't have to do any work, which is awesome. I mean, we got to clean it, but that's like afterwards, but that's like it. And so to me, it's like a slam dunk. I'm like, let's, let's do that, okay? Let's have other people inviting. People who don't even come to our church will be inviting people to our church. And we know statistically that, um, as you know, the more people walk in through the doors here, they kind of look around, oh, this does, place doesn't look so weird and scary. You know, this isn't like your normal church building. And they're like, what is going on over there? Like a cult or something. And, uh, you know, they're like, oh, this looks more normal than I thought. And uh, a lot of those people will be able to snag, and they'll come back on a Sunday morning. And so uh, this is a picture of a sister church in Goshen, Indiana, that we're connected with. And, um, and this is what they've done, and we're kind of looking at them. And we've t I've talked with them a whole bunch, and they're like, hey, this is by far the best investment we've ever made on reaching families. And so... I hear that, and I'm like, all right, well, that's what, that's what we want to do, okay? We want to make a good investment, and this seems to be one. So right now, we have around 2,400 square foot of children's space. Um, we want to add 5,200 square foot of classroom space and then add an additional 6,200 square foot of large space. So instead of, tw like, basically 2,000 square foot of children's space, which is what we have now, we'll have around 14,000 square foot of children's space. So it's almost, you know... I don't know, times seven, whatever that word is, um, you know, more than what, than what we have. Now, this is going to cost some money, okay, <laughs> which is a bummer, um, and, the, and that price keeps going up, unfortunately. Um, right now, it looks like this will be around $2 million uh, for both buildings and the playground inside, and so that's kind of our benchmark. Uh, hopefully, that doesn't go up anymore. Um, we also, along with this, we know that we have other needs too. Uh, we want to do at least part of our parking lot. How many of you guys came in and noticed all the ice all over the place that we can't? How many of you fell? Okay. Hopefully nobody. Okay. Oh, man, we got, okay. Yeah, some of you guys fell. So anyway, um, we got to do something about our parking lot. It's our front door to our church. And when people come for the first time, I mean, that's what they're slipping and sliding. Or if it's rainy, you know, they're walking through like, you know, like three-inch puddles and just, you know, it's just an issue. We don't have drainage or anything like that. So we have also looked at that. By the way, the front parking lot, we're not looking at doing everything. We're looking at maybe just the front, which is part of our master plan, which we have to get done anyway. Um, just doing the front will make it so we're not digging anything up when we build a new building like an auditorium and stuff like that. 
um, and, which we don't want to do because that just wastes money. But uh, we're looking at adding drainage, lights, and pavement. All that will cost around 150000 if we do it this summer. Now, last May, that price tag was only $90,000. By August, it shot up to 150000 So I feel a little bit of urgency of, hey, we should probably do this soon before it goes up anymore. We're kind of locked in on our price if we do it, basically if we um, lock it in. It's locked in through March, basically next month if we sign the contract and stuff. So a little urgency there that I'm like, you should probably take care of this. Otherwise, we could have had two parking lots for, this, you know, for the same price. Um, with all of this, so around $2 million for the buildings, around $150,000 for the front parking lot. Um, with all of this, uh, I feel like we need to pay this in cash, okay? Because our next build, which we are going to be desperate for in a few years, is going to be an auditorium. And uh, that will be out this way, and we'll, I think we'll have to finance part of that. And so um, I think we just need to take care of this in cash with, with what we can. Um, so that's kind of our plan. That's what we got going on here. Uh, we want to be a church that's heading in the right direction, and we want to be a church that's generous with a vision beyond our resources where everything that we do is to accomplish our purpose and where everybody who calls grace uh, their church home is playing a part. Okay, or is a part of it. I mean, that's, that's key, right? I mean, it, it's everyone. That's why we're calling this series, Everyone on Three. Everybody who calls grace their church home, we want you to be involved. We're even doing some stuff for kids. We got these little cardboard piggy bank things that got lost in the mail somewhere this week. And, uh, and we have those that we're going to give out to the kids if they want them. And that number, you know, that does a couple things. Not that we're going to make a bunch of money off your kids, okay? That's not what we're thinking at all probably lose money anyway on the boxes but uh it gives our kids a chance to be a part of it like me as a parent i look forward in taking all three of my kids and saying okay yeah they got their little piggy banks at home and they got like coins and stuff in there where i'll be like okay some of this you need to give back to god like some of this you need to be you can be generous with this instead of buying the thing that you want you get to be generous and also it gives them kind of the sense of hey i helped build that maybe just a little but they were a part of it. That's what it's all about. It's about all of us being a part of what's going on here. And by the way, it's not just giving. It's also time. It's also serving. Getting involved that way. Being a part of what God is doing here. And, and the honest truth is we need help, especially within children's. I mean, we are desperate for help. Some of the people that are doing children's have been doing it every week since we've opened. And I feel bad for them. <laughs> And so we need to step up, and we need to help with what's going on here. Here's an example of that. I'm Brian Walton. And I'm Krista Walton. And at a young age, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior in a you know, small country church here just south of Tiffin. And I also went to the same church, and as a child, I accepted the Lord as Savior. We continued to go to that church. Um, grew up there, started serving, eventually got married, and then we had five kids. As the kids grew older, we started to see that they needed the opportunity to find friends that were their age, which wasn't available at our church, and we needed to find friends that were like-minded, and I started to feel the nudge that we needed to go somewhere else and see if we could find that for them. So in November of 2016, uh, we attended our first uh, service there in the Fremont campus. So after 
you know, tending several Sundays in that, the, just the good, sound biblical teaching and preaching that, uh, that we sat under. We just felt comfortable and knew that this was where the Lord is, was leading us and where we could get plugged in and actually serve with our, with our family. And so we did, uh, we attended the Connect class and then also the uh, Serve class and was able to get plugged into the to the cafe. So we were able to get involved with serving coffee to people and just giving them a smile if they needed it for for the day if somebody is coming in and they're just not having a good day or we got to make friends with other people that we were serving with. So we really hadn't been serving uh, that long, maybe three, four months, six months in, in Fremont to when they announced that we were launching one a campus here in Tiffin. And so at that at that point, maybe it took a, took a little convincing because it was awful hard when you start getting plugged in to, at Fremont. But now that uh, they have another transition here to Tiffin, but uh, we knew that God was leading and knew that we were going to be involved with the Tiffin launch. And we were all in. Transitioning from Fremont to Tiffin, we've just enjoyed. Um, serving again in the cafe and Brian serving in the tech and we've made a lot of new friends and it's just a joy to be able to see people every week you know just serving them coffee and it's been also a joy just to see our boys just to start to step up and to um, serve in the tech area. What, what would I say to someone that was like me that sat in that pew or sat in that cushy seat for two two and a half years that when you feel that nudge from the Lord, you need to step up and listen, because there's there's people coming each week that are hurting, and maybe just that smile, maybe a word of encouragement, you can be instrumental in that person's life. You can be a blessing, and that's what I think the opportunity that serving here at Grace has given Krista and I to be able to reach others for the kingdom. See, see, that's what our true purpose is. Like those of us who, are, who actually have a real relationship with Jesus, we're a part of what's going on here. I mean, that's what our purpose is, is helping introduce people to Jesus. Just like what Brian was talking about. See, God has designed you to fit here at Grace. And here's the deal. When you don't jump in, it's almost like you're robbing your church family of your resources, your talents, and your abilities that God has specifically given you to help your church family. Right? It's like, uh, it's like uh, God, you guys have seen these before, right? Like kids got these. This is my kids. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know what it's called. Shape box thing. That's what I have written down. Okay. Um, here's the deal. It's like one of those. God has sh purposely shaped our life. You get that, right? God has purposely shaped your life. He's given you a specific resources, talents, and abilities, and opportunities that are unique to you. Okay? They're unique. They're specifically for you. And it's how he made you and how he's formed you. And here's the deal. He doesn't make mistakes. Okay? He made you the way that he wants you. And what we're designed to do is he's made you a specific way. We are designed to plug in to the area within our church family that we fit. Okay, we're designed to be a part of it. But here's what we normally do. Isn't it kind of funny? 
Normally we complain. I don't want to be a square. <laughs> right? I want to be a triangle or a circle or a trapezoid. I don't even know what a trapezoid is, but I know it's a thing. Right? My kids know what that is. I don't. But, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to be a square. I want to be that guy. If only, you know, if only God had, had given me those talents or I want those gifts or those opportunities. I want, I want what that person has or that person's resources. You know, it's like we complain. If only I had those, then I would serve or then I would be a part of what's going on in my church or I would be a part of what God is doing. You get that the way God has made us, our gifts, our talents, our abilities, our opportunities, our resources, you get those are, those are tools, right? I mean, this is what we talked about last week. Those are tools. He's made us a certain way so that we are to plug in where he has made us. He's, he's given us a purpose. And he's given us all these tools to use. And the question is, what are you going to do with them? Or maybe, what are you doing with them? Be a part of what's going on here. God is doing some crazy stuff. All right, he's doing amazing stuff. There's things that I haven't seen. I've gotten to share the good news of what Jesus has done with more people, I think, in the last two years than in the last 10 years um, combined. I mean, there's just a lot going on happening here. And there's a lot of life change. I mean, we've seen a bunch of stories over the last few weeks of all this that God has done that we don't always hear about in our everyday life. And so be a part of what God's doing here at Grace. Uh, if you haven't yet, after the service, if you haven't in the last few weeks, uh, we have a handout for you. You're more than welcome to grab that. Check it out. It just gives information on our plan of what we're planning to do in the next three years. Um, also in your bulletin, if you notice, you got one of those commitment cards. Um, that, we are going to turn those in next week. Okay, the honest truth is it takes money. Okay, it just does. I wish it didn't, but it does. And, uh, and we are um, asking for us all to be a part of this. Whether it's a lot or little, it doesn't really matter. Whether it's the, at the temple or whether it's the rich guys or the widow, it's about the heart. And so I really want you to pray for that. We got one more week left of praying, of, of talking to God about this. Um, and uh, in Number one, praying that we as a church family, that we will respond and we will get some of this stuff done. And number two, it's asking God, hey, God, what do you want me to do? Asking God what he's calling you to do. Talk it over with God. Talk it over with your spouse and figure out what God wants you to do over and beyond what we already do. All right? By the way, Kate and I, we're doing this too. Okay, this is on us too. Like we are, we're all on the same level here. We're all called to be a part of what's going on. And so on that card, it's going to ask you for two things. Again, this is for next week. Number one is asking you what God is calling you to give next Sunday. Okay, this will help us get a jump start. Right, this is what I was talking about for me personally last week. Um, number two is asking you what God is calling you to give for the next three years. Um, the Growing with Grace thing, I know a lot of you guys were a part of that for the last 10 months. I uh, just want to say thank you for that. Um, that's done. Okay, we're, we're done with that. Um, you know, it's, it's over. We're starting over here next week. And so um, we actually were able to raise 170-something, I think, 1,000 with that. And so that gives us a good head start on some of these projects that we need to take, uh, take care of. So awesome. I want to thank you for that. But here's the deal. I truly believe that the greatest things that God wants to do through this church are still ahead of us. Right? He's done amazing things all right, but I true already, but I truly believe that the next, you know, even the next three years and beyond, that God has the best things that we're ever gonna do as a church, they're in the future. 
We just got to get there. It's going to take hard work. It's going to take sacrifice. And uh, it's going to take all of us to be involved, to be a part of it. Let's pray. God, we thank you for all this stuff. And we thank you for these opportunities that you have given us. Um, Lord, I ask that we as a church family, we had come together and we had stepped through the door together and make this stuff happen. And uh, next week's the big week. God, we, uh, we ask that you um, lay on our hearts what you want us to do and how you want us to be involved. And God, we thank you for loving us and caring about us and the fact that we get to give back just a small portion of all that you've given us. I mean, it's really humbling. And we thank you for that, Lord. God, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.